Thank you for listening to the Parker DC Sermon Podcast. The following message is a ministry of Parker Memorial Baptist Armorville campus. We aim to be biblically faithful, Christ exalting, and God glorifying as we preach and teach the scriptures with boldness and application. We hope you will join us in person this Sunday morning at 11 a.m. for worship celebration. For more information about Parker DC, visit us at www.dclivelove.com. We hope you enjoy. Thank you. Good morning. If you have a Bible, if you open your Bible, it's the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7. Uh, this is going to be a little bit different for me. I've got some things I will share with you uh, as we go through the message just personally. Uh, but I, I want to make sure that we get the full juice out of the text. Okay, so if you have a Bible, Mark, chapter 7. Um, we are in a series right now uh, looking at the book of Mark and looking at God's power, Christ's power over every need in our life. And we're coupling that with a number of different things, including an application group on Wednesday nights. It talks about the sermon content a little bit more. Uh, we're, we're putting out devotions, which the preacher's behind on. He will try to release two or three of those this week, and I'm working on that. So uh, please don't send me hate mail, and it'll be all right. So anyway, I'll, I'll get there uh, in those devotions soon. But there are a number of that stuff that's on our website right now. If you go to our website, dclivelove.com, there's a Mark series tab at the, top, at the top, and you can get all of that there because it's impossible for me to preach through the gospel of Mark in 15 weeks, all right? And so we're doing a series where we're taking some of the text, preaching some of the text, we're talking about some others on Wednesday night along with the text from Sunday, and then doing devotionals as well. And so it is a, uh, a comprehensive view of the, of the gospel of Mark uh, in 15 weeks. And so if you've not been here, it's okay. Uh, I, I'll bring you back in the conversation as we go this morning, but I want you to know the basis of where we come from. Uh, this morning. I want to talk about sin this morning. I want to talk about our heart this morning. The most dangerous thing to the body of Christ is my heart. The most dangerous thing to my gospel witness is my heart. The most dangerous thing to the church is your heart. The most dangerous thing to your gospel witness is your heart. But we're in February, right? Which means that that holiday is on the horizon. This is like your week and a half notice, guys. Get your act together because that day is quickly approaching. And the world looks so quickly and intently at human relationships and our heart. And we use these words like love and the heart as very emotional responses, emotional words. But there's more to that little thing called the heart than just what we get when it, when it comes to Valentine's Day. I think God's word says a lot about the heart. So if you have a worship God this morning, I'm going to fill in some statements. There's just four. It does not necessarily mean it'll be a short message, okay? All right? Don't get your hopes up. Uh, if you're watching from home, grab your Bible and a notepad and write down these things. In your worship God, though, there is a statement. The journey of sin includes our senses and our mind, but the heart, the heart is the hub of all human behavior. Let me read that again. The journey of sin includes our senses and our mind. But the hub of all of human behavior is the heart. It is the heart. I, when I, I did student ministry, we talked about all the things that you, that you look at, all the things you listen to, all the things you smell, all the things you touch is what you think about, right? And what you think about the most ultimately recesses into the crevice of your heart. And what's in your heart? This is a truth that you cannot deny. What's in your heart will come out, inevitably, it will come out. 
This morning we're looking at a, a teaching of Jesus that highlights that we should watch over our heart. Proverbs 4.23, uh, the proverb says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Proverbs 27, verse 19 says, As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. As we are in our heart, we are. Our heart is a very serious issue. Mark 7, verse 14, if you have a Bible, uh, take that out and go with me, read with me quickly. And he called, this is Jesus, called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. When, when Jesus gives a little, uh, a, 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 a little preface to that statement, he said, I want you to listen up because what I'm about to tell you is counter-cultural and it's counterintuitive. I'm about to tell you something that's very different than the way the world does life. I think of Romans chapter 12 where Paul says, Do not be conformed to this world. It's countercultural, counterintuitive. What I'm about to say about your heart is a big deal. Watch over that heart. Watch over it. George Herbert said this, God sees hearts as we see faces. I think about 1 Samuel chapter 16. And, and the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance. But the Lord looks what's going on in here. Can I ask you this morning, what's going on in your heart? What's going on in your heart this morning? If you have worship, God, I'm going to fill in the first one of the four. Don't follow your heart. This is so countercultural. Counter Don't follow your heart. It is unreliable and easily directed by selfish pride. Don't do it. Th this, is the, this is what we see in all of our culture today. In this post-Christian, post-church, post-Bible culture, everybody will say, well, just follow your heart, teenager. Follow your heart. And I would emphatically warn you, don't do it. It's dangerous. Our hearts are driven by emotions, and they're driven by selfishness, and they're driven by sin, and idiosyncrasies, and, 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 and insecurities, and pride, and all of that stuff messes up the true north compass of our hearts. Don't follow your heart. Most of the regrets, if we were honest, most of the regrets we have in our life, if you go back and trace back to that, I just followed my heart. And your heart led you someplace that you never needed to go. Amen? Don't follow your heart. Jeremiah chapter 17, a lot of you guys know this verse. It says this, the heart is deceitful above all things, and it is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart, and I test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. The heart is deceitful above all things things. The great reformer John Calvin said this way, the human heart has so many crannies where vanity hides, so many holes where falsehood works, is so decked out with deceiving hypocrisy that it often dupes itself. Isn't that true? Our heart is unreliable. Proverbs 21.2 says, the Lord weighs the heart. So verse 15, Mark 7, this is what Jesus said, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. Not Dr. Pepper, not fudge rounds, none of that stuff. Okay, amen? But the things that come out of a person are to what? Defile him. What, what is Jesus speaking about? 
He's speaking about the internal situation of our heart. Our heart is a reflection of who we are and a reflection of the degree in which we pursue Christ and follow Christ. It is a reflection of our own holiness and our pursuit of holiness, right? Our heart cannot lie. Our heart will speak truth of who we are. Jason Meyer said this way, holiness is a matter of the heart, not the hands or the stomach. Jesus pointed this out. In fact, Matthew chapter 23, when Jesus blasts the Pharisees, he says these words, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but the inside, the inside, they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, and the outside also may be clean. I want to say as a church, I want to say as Christians today that we're better than that, but we're not. We put on the facade that everything is okay, don't we? I'm fine. I'm good. Everything is okay. And we we parade around in pretense, but the inside is so deceitfully wicked. And we just pray, I don't want anybody to see it, right? I don't want anybody to see what's going on inside of me. But God sees. God sees. And ultimately, what's there, if not dealt with, will come out in the most ungodly of ways. Number two in your worship guide. The pursuit of happiness is a fool's errand of the heart. But the pursuit of holiness is the fruit of a heart being transformed by Christ. We live in a culture of follow your heart. Pursue your own happiness. But God's word says and the gospel demands, no, you follow Christ. We follow holiness. I am more concerned about your holiness than whether you're happy, God says. I am more concerned about that you are walking in step with my will than I am whether you're happy about the circumstances around you, God says. Pursuit of happiness is a fool's errand. And this is the American dream. It's the lie, isn't it? We're supposed to pursue happiness, pursue whatever we want. But Christ says, die to yourself and follow me. Pursuit of holiness is the fruit of a heart being transformed by Christ. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Holiness. I preach you like you're preaching a little different today, right? Listen, this is really fresh on me, okay? Really fresh. I'll explain in a minute. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 to 16. But as he who called you is holy, you also ought to be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written in the Levitical law, you shall be holy for I am holy. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians, For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Great Oswald Chambers said this way, Holiness, not happiness, is the chief end of man. Holiness. Don't pursue happiness. Don't pursue your heart. Jesus is pointing out in a very countercultural way the danger of following your happiness and your heart. It will lead to destruction. So he goes on. Pick back up in the text. Verse 17. Now some of y'all are like, wait, 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 wait. There's verse 14 and verse 15. And then some of your, your translations say, if any man has ears to hear, let him hear. 
But in the ESV, there is no verse 16. Have any of y'all got an ESV Bible or a Bible that doesn't have verse 16 in there? Anybody was reading through that and was like, wait, 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 wait. We omitted a verse. That is not okay. Call the publisher, okay? All right? The reason why the most modern translations omitted verse 16 is because the oldest manuscripts that we now have do not have verse 16, okay? All right? And just to keep it all in the same number system, we just skip 16, okay? So that's not a publication error, okay? Regardless of the fact, the, the truth still reminds, if any man has ears to hear, let him hear. So verse 17 says, And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Now, the thing I love about disciples is this. Disciples got on-the-job training to be the ministers in the gospel that would ultimately take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, right? They were not perfect men. They were broken men. They were messed up men, most of which didn't have a religious background whatsoever. And so when you look at the disciples, especially like in the early part of their journey, we're really hard on them. Like, why don't you get this? Why don't you get this? Let me ask you this. Do you always get it? When do you miss it, right? They are with Jesus, but doesn't mean osmosis just takes place and they know everything, right? There are things that these men miss. And so Jesus points it out. Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him? Since it enters not his heart, not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. Now, for the, for the sake of all the young boys in the room, we're not going any further than that, okay? I have found with young boys, all they want to have is potty humor, right? No more than that. Thus, this is what Mark says, thus he declared all food clean. And then he says in verse 20, what comes out of a person... Is what defiles him. Number three, sin isn't an isolated event, but a reflection of a rebellious heart, a symptom of a much deeper trouble. A lot of times we look at symptoms, don't we? We see somebody's anger, we see somebody's uh, attitude, we see somebody's whatnot, and we just look at the symptoms of their behaviors, and we miss what's really going on behind the scenes. I, I, I was told in a counseling class one time in, in seminary, the first thing people tell you in a counseling conversation is not really the problem. It never is the problem. They're going to tell you all the symptoms of the problem until you finally unpack that layer of the onion, right, Tabitha, to finally get to the problem. So don't, I mean, listen, but don't assume that the first thing they tell you is really the problem because it's very seldom the problem, right? I would say the same thing of our behavior. Really, the outward behaviors are really not the problem. The problem is a rebellious heart that lives inside of us, that is in rebellion against God, right? It's this deceitfulness of our heart that we give into whatever we want, that selfishness, that pride, and we do what we want to do, when we want to do it, and how we want to do it. That is the problem. The problem is this, we are not submitting ourselves moment by moment to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And therefore our heart is wicked. And there's things in that heart, if we're just honest, that shouldn't be there. And you know it, and I know it. I know it in my heart. There's something there that I'm just not okay. And you know, that's a good thing. Think about this, church. It's a good thing. If you're a Christian and you feel that way, that means the Holy Spirit of God lives in you. That should confirm your faith in Christ and your relationship with Christ. And that's a good thing. That means he's rubbing off the warts, right? And we all got those warts. Not physically outside, okay? So don't be self-conscious. We have them inside. 
sin is not an isolated event. This is why, as we sang that song a minute ago in Psalm 51, Jason didn't know I was going to use this verse. Create in me a clean heart, David says. You know what David's big thing was in his repentance of Psalm 51? It was not necessarily about the actions of adultery and murder. That was a big deal that he confessed. But the bigger deal was that he sinned against God. Amen? The bigger deal was that his heart was wrong. I think about uh, Pharaoh. I mentioned him in our men's group this morning. Uh, Pharaoh in the book of Exodus. God was using Pharaoh in a lot of different things to bring Israel salvation. But it says time and time again that Pharaoh's heart was hardened and hardened and hardened and hardened. And I look at sometimes my sinful heart, and if I allow it to go on, it gets harder and harder and harder and harder. And no wonder we act the way that we do, right? No wonder our behaviors are so ungodly sometimes because our heart isn't right. We refuse the conviction of the Spirit of God. We are afraid to let other people speak truth in their life. We put up walls and barriers in people's lives, in our lives. We pretend, we say we're fine, but we are not fine. Preacher, this is a different kind of sermon. I get it. I get it. Andy Aiken said it this way, sin always proceeds from within. The basic problem of fallen humanity is not what we do, but who we are. It's not the behaviors, it's the condition of my heart. He also would say, inevitably sin's root, you should write this down, inevitably sin's root will produce sin's fruit. Inevitably. The things that I watch, the things that I listen to, my senses, what they take in, ultimately will sink from my head into my heart, and what's in my heart ultimately has to come out in my life, with my words, with my actions, with my attitudes, the way I treat my children, the way I treat my wife, the way I treat my brother or my sister, the way I do my, my career, the way I interact with all things. What's here is reflected out here, right? And that's why we have to back up and put the margins closer to my heart, right? The guardrails have got to be on my heart, not on the behaviors, this is the reason, now I'm going to start preaching. This is the reason why it's so fruitless to go to a lost world and try to change their behaviors. It's fruitless. You cannot convince a lost person to act like a regenerate Christian. You can't. Why? Because Jesus doesn't own their heart. Jesus has not changed their heart. If he had to change their heart, then even if they temporarily act good, or our version of good, it won't last. Won't because their heart's not been changed by the Spirit of God. Augustine said this, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in thee. My heart is tricky. And your heart's tricky. Verse 21, Mark chapter 7. For from within, from within that mess Within, I, when I look at this verse, it's almost like watching one of those movies where there's something lurking under the water, right? Y'all with me? That dangerous beast lurking below the surface, always looking for something to, to, to get, right? Y'all awake now? For from within, lurking below the surface, out of the heart of man. And listen, this is, this is like illicit, like, whoa. Like some of this, we're like, we, we like to categorize sin, don't we? We like to have the, the bad sin and the less bad sin, right? And we know, we know, preacher, all sin is a rebellion against God, and, and God looks at it all. But, but we don't act that way, do we? 
some of these, some of this list is like, okay, like those are those are lesser sins, but in the eyes of God, they're all incredibly dangerous. It says, from out of the heart of man comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder. Well, preacher, I I would never do that. Are you sure? There's a murder inside every one of us. Adultery. A preacher, I would never commit adultery. There's an adulterer in every one of us. Coveting. Wickedness. Deceit. Sensuality. Envy. Slander. Ooh, that would never happen in the Baptist church. Never. Pride. Oh, that, now that would never happen in the Baptist pulpit either. Yeah. Foolishness. All these evil things, Jesus says, comes from within, and they defile a person. Number four, number last, I'm like, last sermon, not, not done. <laughs> number four, we are all capable of every sort of sin and depravity if we don't keep watch over our heart. If it weren't for grace, there go I. That's why it's so, so important for us to check our own heart before we go point a finger to a brother, right? Because we are capable of doing exactly what our brother or sister has supposedly been accused of doing. Given the right circumstances, without any protection of the heart, you can do any of the most worst, atrocious sins you can list. You could be Jeffrey Dahmer without watching over your heart. You could be the worst of the worst. You could be Hitler. This is why... What Christ did for us in the new covenant work of his blood, sacrifice on the cross, and his resurrection. What he did for us was to give us, listen carefully, a new heart. Because our old heart is wrong and deceitfully wicked. Essentially, it's like Jesus is doing a spiritual echocardiogram right here. He's allowing the, the sound waves of, of life to sound off your heart to find out really what is there. What's in that heart of yours? Is it pure? Is it holy? Is it true? Or is it fleshly? Daniel Aiken, if every human heart has the root of every human sin in it, it's entirely possible to look nice on the outside while being dead on the inside. And the most deadly contamination is not what I touch, the most deadly contamination is what is in my heart. And this is why. This is why we have problems sometimes. Because in James chapter 4, verse 1, it says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this? That your passions are at war within you, within your heart. Your heart has not been submissive to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And therefore, I want what I want, when I want it, and how I want it. Like, like this is what a child does, right? But aren't we all guilty of that, even as adults? And so we do the most ungodly things in the sake of, my heart told me to do this. Bull malarkey. And even if it did, don't do it. If God has not ordained it in his word and has not confirmed it by his spirit, don't do it. Because the devastation is too great. And this is why Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, 
for they're the ones that will see God. So this, this, this week, I want you to know that the, the sovereignty of God. I believe the sovereignty of God. In fact, I'm getting a new perspective of the sovereignty of God and the lordship of Jesus Christ right now. So I, I'm, a, I'm a little OCD. Y'all know I plan out sermons a long time before. Like I, I mean, it's, it's months before I preach a sermon. I've got an outline as far as what the text is going to be, the title even, maybe even a little few details about the text. And I'm passing that off to Jason. I'm passing it off to Angela. And so little did I know six months ago or three months ago, excuse me, three months ago when I was going to be this text, this would be this week. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I should not do. In fact, probably every preaching professor in seminary would tell you, don't do what I'm about to do. I'm about to be very vulnerable to you. Is that okay? I'm about to expose part of my life that I don't, I don't do well to expose. It's transparency. I know there's, there's such thing as too much transparency, and that can be devastating, right? And I don't want to flash it all on Facebook, and I don't want to be all over Twitter and Instagram. But I think there's times we just need to share what God is doing in our heart and our life. So I'd like to do that for just a minute. The last few months, I have allowed bitterness and frustration and anger to take root in my heart. I was frustrated at COVID. I still grieve the loss of my dad. Angry at church members. Dad, if y'all just do right. And I let that sit as a seed of bitterness in my heart. I don't tell you this so you come run and hug me. I want you to know that I'm not on a white horse. And if you put me on a white horse, I will fall off. And I picked a fight with my brother. And that fight escalated among friends. It wasn't a physical fight. We didn't, we didn't go out back in the parking lot. Have you ever heard of churches that have deacons fight in the parking lot before? wasn't that. I can understand how that might happen because of what's inside of us. But I picked a fight with my brother. And I was wrong in my emotions. And it impacted my life and my family's life and my family's and my friend's life and our church life. It got so bad that the middle part of this week, I was asking the question, am I even supposed to be your pastor? Honestly, I wasn't sure I was supposed to be in ministry. I know better. And Wednesday, Wednesday happened. Wednesday, I got to meet with my brother. And we'd hurt each other. The Spirit of God's good, and His grace is great. And through that, God has shown me my pride, shown me my selfishness, my bitterness, my anger. And I want to say it's all gone, but He's rubbing it off like a cheese grater. And it hurts. I'm glad to say that my brother and I have reconciled. I thank God for Kelly Amos. I've known Kelly for 10 years, roughly. Our sons are practically brothers. I'm thankful for grace.
what God did on Wednesday is nothing short of a miracle. For those who knew about the situation with praying privately for the situation, I want you to know God is good, even when we're not. So I, I tell you this not to start any more whatnot, but I want, you to, I want you to listen carefully. We all have a tendency to follow our heart and our emotions, and that's dangerous. From the guy at the pulpit, the guy leading the music, the guy in the sound booth, to the lay member working wherever, person in the pew your heart is deceitfully wicked my heart is deceitfully wicked and if we don't get real about it it will ruin us but if we allow God's spirit to convict us and we repent it is a beautiful reality and freedom for the soul I don't tell you this today to, to say, preacher, don't leave. Preacher, I'm not resigning. I'm not leaving unless the Holy God tells me to leave. I don't want to leave. Y'all are family. God is in the business of reconciling relationships as he reconciles the great relationship between us and him. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for you. Because you put up with some young preacher who's no longer young. He's a middle-aged man going through a middle-aged crisis. I mean, I don't like it. I want you to know this. I love you. And I love the Word of God. And I want to see this church repent. That our hearts are purified. That we love each other the way Christ loves us. And then this community, this culture, this world will see us as different. But if we don't do that, there will be no revival. Revival has to start in the heart before we ever see it in our family, our church, and our culture. I'm telling you something that's going on in my heart right now is revival. And I hope you'll join me. Okay. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. We confess our hardness of heart. We ask for your forgiveness. Bring healing out of brokenness. Well, there are things inside of us that we need to be honest about. There's pride, there's selfishness, there's lust, there's evil, there's slander, there's the list goes on. And we parade around on Sundays and Wednesdays like everything is okay, but everything is not okay. Lord, give us the courage this morning to own our sin, to repent of our sin, to fall humbly before you and seek your forgiveness. Lord, let there be a spirit of repentance in the heart of the church. And then do what only you can do through the church. Lord, help us to pursue holiness at the expense of happiness. Help us.
us to follow the Holy Spirit of God and not deceitful heartwork. I pray for healing. I pray for relationships that are broken even now in the body of Christ. Relationships that are broken in homes. Sin that has deceived. Lord, lead us to repent today. And let revival begin. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here this morning and would like to uh, come make a decision of confirmation,